This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. I'm Wong Xiaoning and this is The Breakfast Grill. Today we have in the studio a rarity, a politician who has not minced his words while campaigning to be the MP of Sungai Buloh for GE15. Kari Jamaluddin has openly declared his attention, intention to one day be the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Welcome to the studio again, Kari, and full marks for being on this show, unlike many of your UMNO colleagues who have ghosted our invitations. <laughs> <laughs> but let me start with this, which was taped in October 2020. And of course, the million-dollar question, is this part of the ultimate goal to be Prime Minister of Malaysia? No, my ultimate goal is to ensure that, you know, first of all, in the short term, we get out of this. And secondly, we fulfil our potential. It doesn't matter what capacity I do that in. But you didn't say no either. Of course not. I mean, politicians are all ambitious. I think every single 222 MPs think they can be Prime Minister. Okay, that was taped in October 2020. So, you know, things have clearly changed. And I will start you easy and let you have the soapbox for just a minute. So, pitch to us why you deserve to be the Prime Minister of Malaysia now. We are on the cusp of a generational change in Malaysia um, with young voters coming in onto the electoral role, with um, existing leaders either in their 60s or 70s, we have to start looking at the next crop. And I've been through a very tough two years handling the pandemic. Um, I didn't want to declare my aspiration before I thought that I could handle something as big as that. And I think we've done pretty well as a country. Um, And I've played a role in steering the country out of the pandemic. And that experience has um, led me to offer myself and, and put my name in the conversation mm-hmm. at least, not not today, but maybe in the next um, five or ten years, uh, as someone who who offers himself to, to lead the country. Yeah, but we've had 65 years of almost uninterrupted UMNO rule, say for you know, 22 months of PH rule and then a short period under Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin. But what are you going to be bringing to the table that's going to be different from the other UMNO prime ministers we've had so far? You have to look at the, the changing nature of this country and look at some of the longer-term structural issues. I'll give you three in particular that I think are um, very important. Mm. One is the economy. We have to look at the economic structure of this country to see whether it can drive uh, the country forward in the next decade or so. Um, it's still set up in a way in which I believe is very, very, um, it's not optimal. We have to relook at uh, government revenue. We have to look at um, expenditure, how progressive our subsidies are, how progressive our taxation system is. We have to look at the education system. Now, I've had some time looking at the healthcare system, and I think that reforms will be underway under the white paper, which I plan. Education is something that we have to look at, and that's something that I've not had a stab at yet. Uh, And the third is social protection, uh, which is how we make sure that no one is left behind. Retirement savings, this is a huge issue and we're, we're about to become an aging population in a few years. So these are things that we need to talk about today. For sure, Kari, everyone knows these problems, but whether there's political will to make the hard decisions is always the question that I think faces uh, politicians, right? Everybody just wants to be in power, make these populist statements. So are you going to have the gumption to actually push this through? I've not shied away from tough decisions, Xiaoning. Mm -hmm. I've had to make tough decisions and tough calls during the pandemic. 
Um, I tried to bring a anti-tobacco smoking free generation legislation. We almost got there. We got there in the select committee. Um, so I'm, I'm not uh, somebody who shies away from making the tough decisions and you need somebody yep. um, who who will uh, put forward to the public, look, this is where we are. These are the problems that we face. Someone honest healthcare. for a change. Honest, but also uh, somebody who engages the public and says, you know, these are the solutions that we have. It will hurt maybe in the short term. Mm. Uh, but if we don't make these structural adjustments, subsidies, for instance, um, then we're not going to have uh, enough money to drive the sort of uh, spending that, that, that will bring returns for the country. Okay, I'll get back to Sungai Bulo in a minute. But what's interesting to me is that you want to bring changes to UMNO. You described it as sesat. Now, what do you mean by that choice of words, Kari? I think that the party needs to go through rejuvenation and renewal as well. And uh, I've been very open in my support for Ismail Sabri mm-hmm. as the next Prime Minister of Malaysia. He's the sitting uh, caretaker Prime Minister. I want him to come back. And I think that we'll see a uh, changing of the guard at the top. Ismail, Hisham, myself, um, we are quite firm in where we want to take Amno. Uh, to make sure that our image is restored uh, from the past few years. So is this an acknowledgement that AMNO is a party tainted by corrup- corruption? I mean, we do have a leader that is in jail at the moment and the president of a party that's facing a total of 87 corruption charges? I mean... Many parties have leaders who are tainted by cases. It's but not let's just talk about no, no, no. Yeah, I, let, let me just put that out there mm. first. Okay, it's not a monopoly of Amno, but at the same time, of course, these are facts that you cannot deny. Our past uh, president has been convicted uh, mm. and is in jail, and of course, our sitting president is uh, facing court cases um, of his own. It's very important for Amno leaders like myself. Uh, to openly state that um, when we win the election, there will be no interference in the judicial process. We don't want to be known as uh, other parties who have dropped cases uh, involving their leaders. And that's important. And I've told Ismail Sabri that that must be our position when we're back in power, just as it was before when he did not interfere in the judicial process or even think about it. Okay, but if that's the case, can we then afford to wait for you to be Prime Minister in, what, 10, 15 years in the meantime? Well, you're what shifting is the... it. I just said 5 to 10 years. Now you're <laughs> okay. saying 10 to 15 Let's years. Let's say 5 to 10 years. <laughs> what is the potential damage a Sasat party can do to no, the country no, no, then? No, no, no. Look, the, the, let, me cl- let me clarify um, the remark I made. It's not the party. Mm. The party, I believe, this is my party, which I've been with for more than two decades. It's a good party made up of good people. However, of course, there are some leaders who we feel need to give way. And um, I believe that this will happen in the next couple of years. We're not even talking about five to ten years. We know that there will be a party election right after, right after the general election. And that's where you have these new crop of leaders, not Mm -hmm. just myself, but the likes of Sharil Hamdan, uh, Karol Azwan, uh, all these new candidates who are coming through, I want to see them winning places in their divisions. I want to see them uh, replacing uh, some of these uh, entrenched uh, leaders, uh, older leaders, uh, to show that I'm not changing. So this is not going to be a five, ten-year project. It's going to happen right after the election. And I've told Ismail Sabri, I said, you know, we want you to be prime minister. And 
then we want you to lead the party. So does this mean that uh, Ismail Sabri is going to run for president of If he UMNO? becomes prime minister, when he becomes prime minister... Um, after this weekend, he must lead the party. Okay. There must not be a dichotomy anymore between the president of the party and the leader of the government. And he, it's very clear that he is the prime minister candidate for us. But what happens if he loses? Then this reform agenda of yours within AMNO will it come to a, a, I mean, a full stop? What happens if anyone loses? Yeah. I mean, that's hypothetical that we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But look, even if we suffer electoral setbacks, the... The, the goal of reform, rejuvenation and the change of guard, that, that must continue. And, and that realisation is there in the party, yeah. Because I wonder whether it's really possible to, for AMNO to reform internally, right? In, detractors will say that AMNO is still a party of warlords, money politics, they use race and religion when it suits their agenda to divide rather than unite the country. That might have been the case um, once upon a time, but we've been through hell. Mm. Uh, we lost government and there is a realisation on the ground. And, and I stood for the presidency. A lot of people forget this. I stood for the presidency right after the last election. Yes, He didn't win easy. No, it, you it, got 36% of the vote. Uh, yeah, and if you combine my vote and Tunkurazali's vote, everyone thought I was a spoiler, but actually Kuli was a spoiler. If, if our votes combined, I would have become president of AMNO. But Kari, you have been in the upper echelons of AMNO. I mean, you were youth chief from 2008 to 2018. You were minister of youth and sports from 2013 to 2018 under convicted Prime Minister Dato Sri Najib. Then, of course, you were Mosti minister under Tan Sri Mohidin Yassin. And then finally, health minister under AMNO Prime Minister Dato Sri Ismail Sabri from August 2021. So why are you now only singing this tune? I think the the tune of reform has always been there. Some people uh, say it mockingly. These are this is the ubah daripada dalam group. Mm. It takes time, but um, I think that I'm ready now. I've matured as a politician. Maybe previously, as the youth chief, I was not in the conversation as far as the leadership of the party yeah, is concerned. Yeah, because you have been, of course, quoted, and there are videos of you where you were openly supporting convicted. Uh, Prime Minister Datusri, uh, Najib, you know, during the 1MDB scandal. So what do you say to people who watch these videos and First now of all, question, yeah, yeah. is this the Kairi I know? Yeah. Is this the Kairi? What's so different about him? First of all, a lot of internal discussions took place. A lot of internal dissent was taking place. And of course, that's not an excuse. But externally, we wanted to project um, a show of unity in the run-up to the last election. Of course, after we lost, um, I made the decision that uh, enough is enough. We cannot continue to uh, condone this. Uh, it's not uh, the Bosco party anymore. Mm. Um, and um, I took a hit for it uh, internally, uh, but I've been consistent since then. Yes, should I have been more vocal um, openly? Um, that's perhaps going to be one of my biggest regrets in my career. Uh, but we, we make mistakes and we own up to it and um, hopefully we can make up for it. But I wonder whether this is just a clever tactic of yours, Kairi. Strategy to overcome the fact that Harapan has one clear message, this GE15. And that is, they have been saying that a vote for BN is a vote for Zahid. And by you saying that you want to be Prime Minister and you are a reformist, is a clever message to counter this. It's not a message, Xiaoning. I want to be the Prime Minister of this country. And I think that uh, at the right time, 
um, I can step up and become the Prime Minister of this country. So it's not just rhetoric for the voters of Sungai Buloh, which is a Pakatan Harapan stronghold. Zahid is not contesting in Sungai Buloh. I'm contesting in Sungai Buloh. And as much as uh, my opponent is also saying one vote for him is one Mm. vote for Anwar, this has got nothing to do with Sungai Buloh. Sungai Buloh is about... Uh, KJ running in Sungai Buloh and I want to bring the changes to Sungai Buloh. Zahid's not running and Ismail Sabri is our Prime Minister candidate and one day I want to be the Prime Minister candidate from Sungai Buloh, not so far down the future. On the Breakfast Grill this morning is BN candidate for P107 Sungai Buloh who is also caretaker Health Minister Kari Jamaluddin. When we come back from the break, is the Sungai Buloh seat a poison chalice? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9. Welcome back to The Breakfast Grill, where in the hot seat this morning is Kairi Jamaluddin, caretaker, health minister, and BN candidate for Sungai Buloh. Just before the break, why wasn't he more vocal about the corruption within AMNO? And is he just singing this tune now to play to the gallery? Now, Let's talk about Sungai Buloh specifically, Kyrie, because from what I gather, a total shock for you to contest there. And that's, you have been quoted, the biggest political challenge you face to date. So did Datuk Sri Muhammad Hassan taking the constituency of Rambau, which you won three times, question your loyalty to the party that good work counts very little in Amno? No, I take this as a positive uh, challenge. Uh, I've always thought that uh, we have to make a push in the urban areas. We cannot just, um, every time the election comes around, we cannot run to the rural areas and and run to our strongholds and our safe seats. Uh, we have to have leaders who um, are courageous enough, mm. you know, to come to the cities. And be willing to lose. Yes, that's the risk that comes with it because otherwise we don't offer anything. For 77% of Malaysia is urbanised already. And if AMNO leaders continue to retreat to their safe strongholds in the rural areas, then our trajectory, our policy agenda, our platform will not resonate with urban people. So mm. it, it, it's okay that it's a big risk. And, and I know that this is a huge risk for my career. But we need to make a push. And Zafarol's here. He's in a slightly less urban seat just next door, Kuala Slango. Uh, but I've come in to the lion's den. Okay, but what does it then say to the 1.4 million new youth voters about BN's commitment to generational change and meritocracy when the most useful, youthful and competent minister gets kicked out of his safe seat and put out to pasture in opposition uh, stronghold Sungai Bolo? I've not been put out to pasture. I'm here to win, Xiaoning. <laughs> I'm not here to lose. This is not, this is not going to be my uh, political cemetery. Okay, so it's... But what do you think... And I think, look, I mean, to answer... Not not being facetious about the answer is that it's good that you, you send your young uh, commanders out there mm. in behind enemy lines because that's how you really um, toughen them up. So you uh, they don't can think this is message. your Waterloo? I hope not. I, I hope not. And um, it's a challenge. Uh, Sivarasa won Sungai Buloh by a majority of 26,000, not 2,600, 26,000. But um, mountains were made to be climbed. And at that time, BN didn't even come in second. They came in third, third yeah. after pass, right? So do you think then, let's go back to this question about meritocracy and generational change. By doing this, is Abno signaling the right message to the young, though? 
Yes, I think they are. I think you, you, the signal, uh, uh, the message to young people is that um, you must take risks, you mm. must be courageous, you must be able to fight. And uh, politics in, in an election is about the, the battle of ideas, of, of uh, service, of record, of plans. Um, and, and you must have tough leaders uh, coming through. So this is in no way punishment for your rivalry against AMNO President Zahid Hamidi. Look, people can read into that as much as they want. That's a huge talking point during this election. Uh, I'm, I'm done uh, talking about it. I've made it very clear about my plans uh, to rejuvenate and seeing a change of guard after the elections. Uh, let's leave it at that. Okay, because it has been reported in the press, um, and you can confirm or deny that you don't see eye to eye with uh, party leaders, Hamidi. So, I mean, why don't people have asked, why don't you just quit the party, Kyrie? Even if I don't see eye to eye with one person, why should I quit the party? Even mm. if that person is the president. There is room for for dissent in parties. I don't think Rafizi sees eye to eye with Anwar every single day. I know they don't see eye to eye on every single day. So should Rafizi quit and form a party with me? No, we're good friends. That uh, would be but, an interesting combination <laughs> though. Well, wouldn't it be more interesting if Rafizi and I are PM and leader of the opposition or vice versa and uh, trading barbs uh, for the people every week at the dispatch box in parliament? Wouldn't that be something? Yes, it would be. It would be interesting. It would be a different dimension in Malaysian politics, right? Uh, but let's come back to the seat of uh, Sungai Bulopi because a Pemimpin Bersama Rakyat Program. Uh, you said you wanted to be known as the Sungai Bulo man rather than a yes man. So are you saying that your constituents come first before the party? If the choice was binary, which would you pick? You have to pick the people. I think uh, we've, we've made that, um, uh, that uh, huge error before. Uh, and um, learning from that, learning from 2018, uh, we must uh, reflect the people's values and aspirations uh, more than what the party's position is. But how long will that last, though, your position in the party if you take that that take that take uh, stand? Because AMNO is known see, for a party that demands 110% loyalty from its members, though. The assumption is that, but I think AMNO is changing. I think AMNO has realised the value of having... Um, Maverick voices, mm. and um, can they tolerate it for long? I think so. I think so. We are we are underestimating the undercurrent within Amno itself, and I point back to the undercurrent at the last party election. Of course, people circle the wagon coming into an election, but don't underestimate the desire for change in Amno. But isn't this just part of your clever strategy? I go back to my clever of strategy. Of course, of course, we have to. <laughs> and there is some there is some intelligence to it, to win over urban voters, to be seen as this reformist. I mean, win over those who despair at the money politics of AMNO, what is seen as the mismanagement of country, which is now settled with the debt of one trillion ringgit. Well, I mean, look, uh, it was a brief tenure, mm. uh, but Pakatan Harapan isn't completely absolved of uh, of where we are today. Of course, they uh, only had twenty two. Yes, to that's be why fair. I said it was a brief tenure. But I believe there were certain decisions made during that tenure which has exacerbated the problems that we face. Okay, but is this part of that clever strategy? It's uh, not a Kyrie? clever strategy. Distract the voters. No, no, no. 
I'm trying to tell you that the message is as real as it comes. Uh, I've come to a, a crossroad in my political career. I'm 46 now. Mm. I'm, I'm, I was the future once. <laughs> I'm not anymore. I'm getting on and I have to make a decision soon whether I step up or not. And okay. I'm, this is it. And you're prepared to be that lone voice. The issue, of course, is you might be the one of the few, but the rest of the party don't oh, move in tandem. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, what the young crop of new candidates are saying behind closed doors, what they are saying to me mm. is very different from what the uh, the party line may be. They're, even the senior leaders, they're ready for that change. And it's going to happen right after the election. Okay, let's drill down on policy. Uh, often ignored in Malaysian politics where it's okay, always driven by personality, right? So aside from the wider BN manifesto, I do see you have four key Sungai Buloh-centric segments. Sejahtera, Digital, Lestari and Sehat. I want to focus on one, which is Lestari Sungai Buloh, which includes protecting and preserving Taman Rimba Kota Damansara. Now, keeping our green spaces is never high on government agenda, be it at state or federal level. Development usually wins because there's always money involved. Of course. So what promises can you make on that front, especially land, since land is a state matter, Kairi? You need somebody who can coordinate uh, the role of an MP apart from legislation and uh, looking after the day-to-day -day, uh, concerns, basic amenities, uh, is also coordination. I come in as somebody who has demonstrated that I can work together with the other side. You know, I mean, as you said, Slango is a Pakatan Harapan state. The Adun's in Sungai Buloh, both Pakatan Harapan. Yes. The municipal councillors are appointed by Pakatan Harapan. But I've worked together with Ame, the MB of Slango, during the vaccination program. I worked together with Savarasa to amend the smoking bill uh, to get it passed at the select committee. So I have a record of reaching out and working together with the other side. So on land, which is a state state matter. And state governments, of course, look at development as uh, a revenue earner for them, as a huge revenue mm. earner for them. Uh, but uh, to coordinate with them, to say the aspirations of the people is to see less uh, random and discriminate development, but better planning, better preservation of our green lungs. So I think it's about alignment of, uh, of our positions, our platforms, and that's something that I think we can find some commonality on. Okay, but Kyrie, at the same time, I need to address the alleged cash contributions that were disclosed during UMNO President Datuk Sri Said Hamini's corruption trial, where it was disclosed that you were an indirect recipient of financial contributions via the Rambau Amno Division for official, political, humanitarian and social purposes. What do you say about these allegations since there is always no smoke without some fire, right? Well, I have categorically denied that I ever received uh, any cash donations Maybe related to that. Maybe not directly to your pocket, but certainly to your division? Contributions were made, I was not aware of that. Okay, so and going. This case, as you know, has also uh, been dismissed with uh, because there's no prima facie evidence for Zahid and in defense. So I, I, I think I'm very clear about that, that uh, I categorically deny the allegations that were made during the trial. Okay, then why don't you just declare your assets now? What do you have to hide? I have nothing to hide. And I've said uh, this, Shouning, that um, I'll be the first uh, minister. Uh, Why to not now? Well, What's your reluctance to do there's so no now? No reluctance at all, but I, mm. I, I don't want it to be another issue of, oh, he did something, the rest of us didn't do it. EAP is also not You're done You're willing it. to stand up to be different now. What's so different uh, about declaring your assets then? 
What's so different about declaring it openly and yeah. completely once you now. become minister? Once Why you become not now? Minister? So that everyone has a, has <laughs> a clear way, view of the who they are nominating, you go to the who SP, they are voting. If you go to the uh, MACC website, you can see there I'm worth between 8.5 to 10 million ringgit. It's there. Okay. Uh, but you not can a see, it's there. <laughs> On a special extended breakfast grill this morning is Kari Jamaluddin, caretaker, health minister and one of the seven candidates in a very crowded race to be MP for Sungai Buloh. After the news bulletin, his future if he wins or loses. And is this Malaysia's best test case of whether we vote for a party or a candidate? BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, welcome back to a special extended breakfast grill. In the hot seat this morning is Kari Jamaluddin, potential future Prime Minister of Malaysia. Just before the 8.30am news bulletin, the corruption allegations against him and is the seat a punishment for not towing the party line? Now, Kari... There are 158,000 total registered voters in Sungai Bolo and the great unknown is that of that number, 42% are new voters. Turnout at the last elections was 87%. Do you think that you will be the ultimate test case for Malaysia where voters choose based on candidate versus party? There's a lot of discussion uh, in Sungai Buloh about that. Um, many people come up to me and said that I've put them in a terrible dilemma uh, whether they vote uh, along party lines, as you know, Sungai Buloh is a stronghold for Pakatan Harapan, uh, yep. especially PKR, or whether they choose their preferred candidate. Um, I hope that they will choose the preferred candidate, somebody who not only can work and has a track record of working for people and can work for the people of Sungai Buloh, but also somebody who's entered the national conversation as far as national leadership is concerned. So I think uh, I present... Um, a vision, not just for Sungai Bulo, but also for the country. But some will say you've had a relatively easy ride in this seven-cornered fight because Sirawasa is not running. And instead, on the PH ticket is a lesser-known ex-MIC Treasurer General R. Ramanan who was embroiled in a legal case. So, how do you rate your chances of winning, though? First of all, never underestimate anyone. Don't uh, take anyone lightly just mm. because they're a newcomer. doesn't mean that um, they are a pushover or a walkover. And secondly, it's not just Raman and I'm up against in Sungai Buloh, is it? It's also the spectre of Anwar Ibrahim. If you look at Pakatan Harapan posters, it's Anwar next to Raman. It's big uh, words at the top, uh, Anwar for PM. So that's a, a huge um, narrative that they are pushing. Um, but I'm pushing back saying that you need somebody who uh, has a proven track record to work for the people of Sungai Buloh and who can also be Prime Minister one day from Sungai Buloh. Which is exactly why you also have your own clever narrative, right? Which is, I am going to be Prime Minister one day, right? Yes. There's another clever strategy, right? To overcome it's that narrative. <laughs> <laughs> it's, as I said, I've come to a crossroad in life and I, I've decided that uh, this is the push. This is the push for the country, and it starts right here in Sungai Buloh. And what do you say to the new young voters coming out to vote for the first time, be it the 18 to 21s or those who perhaps never registered before and now are automatically registered? Well, first of all, come out and vote. That's the big, big message. Uh, PM uh, Ismail has uh, announced that it's a 
public holiday on Friday, Saturday. Tolls are free. Mm. So if you're staying outside from your constituency, no excuses, no right? excuse. Come back. This is going to be a banger of an election, as far as hopefully the turnout is concerned. Whoever you want to vote for, I hope you vote for me in Sungai Buloh. Secondly. Um, get to know. I mean, there's still time left. We have uh, three full days of camp, four full days of campaigning left. Get to know the issues. Get to know the candidates. Uh, be familiar with where your your voting polling station, station your polling station. I mean, yeah. we always underestimate this, right? Yes. But it's a daunting thing. I remember voting for the first time. I didn't know where to go, bring my IC or not. Where do I queue? Imagine you're an 18 year old person uh, trying to vote for the first time. Um, so let's make it easy and let's make it good. And what happens if you lose on November 19, Kerry? <laughs> oh, this is the hypothetical question that um, somebody who's running for election uh, wants to put off thinking about because uh, you want to keep it positive vibes in your in your own mental but space. But we're realists here, so of what course, happens? Of course you're realist, but... Um, when you're in the arena, it's difficult um, to explain this because mm. um, polit- politicians uh, subject themselves to this this uh, very, very uncertain uh, fate every five years. Uh, and they have to be mentally prepared for any outcome, especially when the stakes are high. Um, like for me, I've come so far in my career mm. and, and this uh, could either make it further or it could break for a while. Uh, so I'll deal with that when I come to it. Uh, I'm definitely not going to leave uh, politics. I'll be around some form or, or another. Uh, but that's uh, that's a question for Sunday. So I'll go back to this. Is there even a plan B? I mean, is is there the possibility that if, let's say, you don't win, you join the dark side and join a, a GLC <laughs> or join a corporate? I mean, after all, there aren't that many Malaysian politi- politicians who have a philosophy, politics and economics degree from Oxford. A real one, by the way, a genuine <laughs> one. Yes, I can assure you that I, I, I did attend university. Um Look, there there are many many options um, that that might open up, but those uh, sliding doors are again for Sunday, not now, not today. Okay, so you don't want to be drawn into a discussion about no. what happens if you lose, no. and you don't want to rate your chances. I it's going to be close. It's going to be close or not, but I feel it's going to be close. Okay, and of course, if you win, and are asked to join the cabinet, can I presume you will not say no? Um, I will join the cabinet, yes. That is something you, you're willing to do? Regardless of, let's say, whoever is the Prime Minister ah, from AMNO. Right. I will join Ismail Sabri's cabinet. And not Zaid Hamidi's cabinet, if he's the Prime Minister. I'll join Ismail Sabri's cabinet because he's our candidate for Prime Minister. No okay. one else. Maybe then the most important elections is the much-delayed AMNO party elections, right? Which must be held within six months of GE15. Will you be running for party president again, like in 2018? We'll discuss that uh, when the time comes. Um, I think if, as I said, Ismail is going to be prime minister, um, we should support him to be the president of the party. And the others, um, Hisham, myself, will have to have a discussion on on who, who goes for the number two. And I have a question about the, you know, the, the post-GE15, when all the votes are counted, and there is a bit of a deadlock or hung pal. You know, everyone gets not enough seats to form a government. What is your position, Kairi? Should uh, Barisan National, who should they form a coalition government with? 
there is a distinct possibility of a hung parliament yes. that no one will cross the line on their own. So we have to be open to discussions uh, and a post-electoral alliance or coalition um, seems to be likely. We have to see how everyone has to come to the table and put their numbers on the table. But I think you also have to look at shared aspirations as well. It's not just something that's instrumental. Uh, it also has to be something that is uh, that uh, we can live with in terms of uh, shared aspirations, values, as well as policy platforms. Um, yes, we must be flexible because we have to form a government and stability is important. We have done very well in trying to get out of the pandemic. Uh, great Q3 figures as far as the GDP growth is concerned. Very convenient, but never mind. <laughs> no, I'm putting it in there because the, these are facts, Xiaoning. Yeah, yes. Um, so we need to continue that momentum because as you know, global headwinds uh, next year will be very, very fierce. Who can you live with though then? Who can BN live with of all the of the two coalition, worked, major coalition we've partners? We've worked together with, uh, with PN. Um, there is uh, some comfort level there. Of course, mm. there is uh, some acrimony as well, uh, but there is comfort level there. But uh, we, should, we should be open and see what, uh, what configuration, what permutation comes up with the most uh, stable government. And let's not forget, Ismail Sabri, to his credit, led a government that was uh, BNPN, but also led a government which had a MOU in place, which had a quasi-CSA, Confidence and Supply mm. Agreement, that led to stability for the last one year. So that's another model that we can also go for. Would it be implausible for Barisan National to work with Pakatan Harapan to form uh, the government? It's going to be a tough discussion. It's gonna, maybe it's a CSA, maybe it's an MOU, uh, where there's political ceasefire, at least for the next five years, and, and so that we can get on with uh, the recovery and strengthening the so, recovery. not impossible? Nothing is impossible in politics. All I'm saying is what is probable, and I've given my probability scenario there. On that note, thank you for your time today. And The Breakfast Grill was Kari Jamaluddin. I'm Wong Shaoning, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.